It's another step in the right direction for the League of Ireland this week and this time it's Wexford Football Club. Keep them coming, lads. Keep them coming. The fella in the green on my short. The fella in the green on my short. Keep the good man on the bench. Welcome to the Big Kickoff League of Ireland podcast in a week where the favourites for the Republic of Ireland job has changed hands a few times. But who would you like to take the job now? Wexford have secured substantial investment from a US-based company and football magazine Copa 90 released their top derbies in world football and an Irish derby sneaks into the top 50. My name is Roy Shanahan and I'm joined by Nathan Doyle from TheBigKickoff.com and Nathan... Every bit of investment is crucial to the clubs, to the league as a whole. And in this case, it's so important for the development of Wexford Football Club. Yeah, as you were saying in the top of the intro there, Roy, it's, it's keep them coming. So I'm sure a lot of people would have seen by now, but what we're talking about has been confirmed by Wexford FC themselves. And uh, just a brief little statement the club have released saying um, Wexford have a new agreement with Stafford Crane Group on investment in the club's academy structure. Now, for the uninitiated like myself, uh, Stafford Crane Group is a US-based company um, founded by a Wexford native, uh, Patrick Stafford. So, good to see that local interest there as well, Why? Yeah. And by reading the statement that the club put out, they seem to be angling in at the, the five aims that, that they've outlined. And I don't know if you've seen it, have you seen it, have anyone seen it? Have a hair it was right in front of me, Nathan, yeah. Yeah, and, and we'll run through the aims quickly in a second, but from what I got it from it, and it was nice to see just clear and concise, clear aims, and not only that, but clear ways they're gonna gonna go about it. We're usually seeing, you know, probably out of the box ideas, whether that be from the FEI or clubs themselves, and the bombastic ideas, but there's, there's no sort of outline of here's you're what we want to achieve. I mean, mouth, Nathan, it, they're yeah. achievable. Yeah, and here's and it's not only that, it's here's what we want to achieve, and here's how we're gonna get there. So yeah. if anyone hasn't seen it, we're just breaking down quickly the five aims um of this partnership are Number one is to the, the development of the academy, and that's going to be done in phases. So that's going to be done with investment from uh, Stafford Group in coaches, in player development, and in the facilities, which is always important. They're also going to use an existing partnership that Wexford have with uh, Redden FC on just sort of a, of a, a knowledge exchange, uh, as it was for the academy system. So don't worry, because... I know the, the senior side of Redden has been on a bit of a turmoil at the moment financially and, and league standing-wise, but this is only going to affect the academy system. Um, and I'm also going to tap into other European uh, academies, so that'd be exciting to see whatever does come of that, what other European academies they do uh, link up with. We're also going to see an improvement of uh, sports performance analysis for the academy players, and that's going to be done by working with football strength coaching and rehab and they're in a uh, in elite performance facility that a lot of top uk clubs use uh, another one is going to be a creation of a football and educating pathway and this is interesting right this is sort of something we, we, we i know i talked about a little bit last week on the tour here and the importance of having that link with with football and education so this this is a great one to see um and it, the, the way they're going to build it is starting september this year there's going to be a specific program set up for transition year students, I'm assuming that would be schools in Wexford, so that would be great to see. And their final aim, and this is probably more broad uh, between the, the whole club and not just the academy, is the want in encouragement for uh, greater community involvement. 
within the club itself. So, and look, we probably talk about in a second, Roy. There's there's probably a conversation to be had about the work that's been done at Wexford over, over the past couple of years because it's probably went a little bit under the radar. But they've been they've literally went from zero to hero, to hero, haven't they? In what they've done over the past few years and just willing to see as we said it, it, it's clear it's concise and it's all achievable and well when yeah, you look at brilliant. the last one is encouraging because they understand that the, the relationship with the the locals with the businesses with the parents the players the coaches that if they unify Wexford that they can create something special and this that looks clever uh, it's something that we've been said we've said about every club around the country that that's what they need to do anyhow they need to sort of sink it we've said it about St Pat's Nathan before we we don't, we think St Pat's have kind of never progressed in that regard they've always kind of just been St Pat's and they could be a hell of a lot better bigger stronger if they actually embraced the community a little bit more that they were that it, it was part of not just the inch core but the the surrounding areas there and, and broaden their horizons I don't think they've ever done that and this is what Wexford look like they're going to do albeit they have even a, a bigger chance here with Wexford because they've such a large area to deal with but then again in Dublin you have a, a, a huge population so there's it's much of muchness but a, a Wexford man working with a Wexford club so there's pride involved he wants to make sure that there's something to be proud of in Wexford. And this is where it differs from some of the other investments because this one, a bit like Galway, it's a little bit more personal, isn't it? There's no, and I think, I don't know if they would say guilty, but we're quick to deal with a lot of other, I don't know, like any League of Ireland fans, not only people that create content, is there's a suspicion, isn't there? around outside investment coming into the League of Ireland. It's a suspicion of where the heart is, where is the potential owner? Are they just looking as a feeder system? Are they just looking for quick European football? Because everyone knows that there's no money to be made at League of Ireland level. That's football as a whole. So um, the intentions are definitely in the right place here. And it, it's it's just looking at the academy system and that's just going to... It's, it breeds a better foundation for Wexford Football Club going forward. And we're seeing that in... We'll, we'll talk about them in a second about the squad coming up this season. And we're starting to see that a little bit where Wexford players starting to come, come back to Wexford now and play for the hometown club and, and good quality players too. And an interesting point, I think, looking at Wexford as a whole going forward, right? And it's something that's going to take a couple of years, but in the off-season, there, there was talking about um, a new ground for Wexford coming into place. And that would be uh, a 600, uh, sorry, a 6,000 capacity. Uh, based in Wexford Town itself, I don't know if you ever been down to Ferry Carrick Park. It's in the it's in the middle of nowhere. It's nowhere near Wexford Town whatsoever. So I think that's going to go ahead. And again, that's going to take about four years time, and they're getting help with uh, Wexford County Council because uh, I think Ferry Carrick Park at the moment is it's it's right in the middle of a proposed motorway project for the, for the M11. So they're going to have to move anyway, and, and the count council are helping out, out with that sort of thing. So look, it does look. Again, it's it's an achievable goal. It's not you're not relying on crazy amount of uh, fundraising and grants, so they are getting help with that. But just going back to my original point there, having that ground in Wexford as a hope, that can only make it a bit more of a personal thing as well. You're not in the middle of nowhere. All of a sudden, you're going to have match day revenue, and all of you, you're not pulling in Premier League numbers, but you're still going to get match day revenue in bars, restaurants, 
uh, takeaways, even at hotels that people are coming down to to make weekends um, out of certain away games as well. So I think if the when they are going to move into this new ground in the heart of Wexford Town, that's going to be a massive um, upgrade um, for the club as a whole and for the community as a, as a whole as well. Absolutely. Um, you look at what they're doing in the lower levels as in the youth development if they work hard on that listen there's no reason why League of Ireland clubs can't financially do well but we're a long way off that and they have to build the foundations and the foundations are making sure that there's pathways which they talked about there's development um, and, and good coaching and good technical coaching which they've discussed there you've discussed the stadium so that's that's the facilities and a welcoming place to go to watch football. If they're all put in place, and as you said, strategically, it'll be in a better place than it is now at the moment, the stadium. If you put all those into place and then you get a community that linked with the stadium, linked with the team, or, or there's the togetherness there, then they've got a huge chance then of making something, you know, pride in your area, pride in your team. So I, I'm I'm over the moon with this. I think this is absolutely brilliant. And it just feels, like we said before, we could talk about Waterford. Waterford are in a decent place at the moment. You just, you're always waiting for that plug to be pulled. Where with these ones, you kind of just feel, yeah, this 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 could go somewhere. Yeah, and it is. It's so important, and there's definitely people to thank for that for Wexford. It's not long ago, and it's not to have a go uh what Mick Wallace done down with Wexford when he was in ownership. It was his baby, wasn't it? And it was very important yeah. to him, and he was always a champion of of Wexford. But ever since the Supporter Trust took over in 2017, we've seen a lot of slow changes, but he was still in the bottom two, so the league stand and never really changed but the massive difference is when he brought in Tommy Doyle who now is the current CEO I think he overhauled pretty, a lot of personnel in the club from, from major commercial aspects down to uh, your day to day match day uh, staff whether that be office staff ground staff that sort of thing to just professional lawyers and to make it a, an overall better experience for everybody involved we've seen John Godkins coming in as the head of football operations someone has a vast knowledge of the grassroots system uh, in Wexford. So he's been absolutely key for tapping up younger talent and and making that pathway from Wexford grassroots up to now having a chance to play professional football within their own county. And I think as well, it goes without saying, it's it, um, without, without not mentioning him, James Keddy has done an absolutely brilliant job, hasn't he? Because I say we go back and listen to when Ian Ryan left the job, I thought, yeah. oh, well, all the good work's going to be faulted away now a little bit because Ian was such a good manager and I think he's going to do really well this season with Barry Wanderers but if we're into James you know what he, his first full season last year got them up to a fourth place finish and got them into the playoffs and he's done a brilliant job too so I, I think it's I should just say it the, the, the likes of Waterfords even at loans maybe in the past it's sort of it was a house built on a deck of cards at times you're, sort of, you're waiting on that bit of a collapse where I think there's good people behind this, this current Wexford outfit and you can't see them crumbling or going away. And do you know what? They might not get up to the Premier Division next year. And I don't think that would be classed as a failure for Wexford. I, I, I think they're more focused on the long term behind the scenes. And you have to give them massive credit because they've done everything right over the past couple of years. Yeah, watch this space. Um, I think we all will be.
The fans question last week, Nathan, they talked about any player whose dad may have played a little bit of football. And Barry Maston got on to us. He wanted to know about uh, Johnny Kenny's dad is a big Sligo legend, I think. And I think it's a little bit yeah, disgusting yeah. with you, Nathan, not pointing this out. Evan Ozama of Paul Ozam plays for UCD. Well, as you said, he's moved on. As well as that, I think uh, Anthony Elding's kid just signed a pro contract at Sligo. What do you have to say for yourself? I have to come out and address it that we uh, we made a balls of that, didn't we? Like I think between the two of us, we just pick, we just went to the overliable Roddy Collins and 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 picked on Roddy Jumpley. So now uh, come after Barry. Uh, so out of three, we we let's see about Anthony Eldon's Jumpley on. He, he's only coming into his fourth pro pro contract this year. He's actually an exciting player. Um, he was telling you was, it was last week as well, actually, about the, the, the mental uh, 5-4 game he had with Derry. He actually got yeah. a cracking goal on the day. So, come here, make it up what you will. It'll be exciting to see how he gets on. Um, but Evan Ozan, that's a shout, actually. Barry, that is a shout, mate, because Paul, one of the best players ever played in the League of Ireland, tiny bit before my time at St. Pat's, I was just sort of on the prayer lift for you getting in. I missed the likes of Paul and Eddie Gormley. Um, but yeah, Evan Ozan's a great show because he was handing around UCD now, coming into a, into a mature student. I think at, at this stage, he was, he was the oldest, he was the heaviest lad in that locker room, I'd say, for a couple of years. So uh, yeah, come on, we give Barry the assist because Evan Ozan's a good show for that one. <laughs> uh, thanks, Barry, for your input. Keep, keep him on his toes. Okay. <laughs> Republic of Ireland, of recording now, the 30th of January. March is going to roll around very, very quickly. And at the moment, there is no manager in place. Nathan, the job has, or not the job, the, the bookies betting has changed hands yeah. on a few occasions. Lee Carsley looked the favourite, then he said he wasn't doing it. And, and he's still up there, uh, high up in those rankings, even though he said he, he wasn't looking to do the job. What do you make of who's sort of up there and... Uh, who has decided they don't really want to uh, take the job? Yes, let's run through a couple of names. Uh, first of all, I think they're going to be thankfully for most of these, but the likes of, of Steve Bruce, Sam Allardyce, and even Chris Coleman have gone by the wayside. Uh, two out of three of them, yeah, I definitely have they thankfully. Though? Have they? It's gone quiet on the wrestling front because the names we're going to talk about now in a minute, I, I, I think they were a bit more pushed behind them. Definitely, definitely more of a public push, but... Uh, yeah, they do the three that I, I think have, have probably faltered away a little bit compared to um. Well, we do we'll start off. I was looking at some of the odds on it, yeah. and Paddy Power probably came on. But someone like who we pick out of this list, someone like Roy Keane, there seems to be a big fan favor when you're looking at polls and you're looking at questionnaires about who Ireland fans would like uh, to come in. He's like I said, Paddy Power is currently twenty four to one. You're looking at a manager here that had his last senior job in two thousand eleven. Like we're going mm. back that far. Like I know he's talked about an aspiration to get back into management, but he has a cushy number. You'd say a sky, just the overlap tour, doesn't he, with Gary Neville and uh, Jamie Carragher and stuff. So, what do you make of, of Roy Keane coming in? Is there somebody that we've seen, obviously seen him around the Ireland setup with Martin O'Neill, but is there somebody you'd like to see coming in on a on a senior basis? I think Roy Keane is about as much chance as Steve Bruce of getting the job. I just don't see him getting it. The, the reason being. He's already been there with, with Martin O'Neill. I think he's confrontational. Um, he hasn't been in management for a long time. I don't know 
what would encourage them to give him the job ahead of others who are still kind of in there doing the work. He's not coaching. He's not He's not managing, you know. So the, the last one he did was assistant manager with, who was it, Knott's Forest, was it? With I think so, yeah. No, Neil. Yeah, I I don't see. I think you need to be keep, you need to keep doing it. It's like playing football. If you're not playing it all the time, you're kind of out of the loop. And I think with management and and coaching, if you're not doing it, you're kind of out of the loop and you're not you're not learning and not, you're he's sitting now watching games. I would rule him out completely. I've I've no time for Roy Keane getting the job at all. I wouldn't be overly excited about it. I'd be waiting for something to blow up. Yeah, I think you can say that louder for the people in the back row. I'd be the exact same as you. Two play, two coaches though that are still in the loop is um, they're on different courses at the moment. One of being his namesake, Robbie Keane. He's over in Tel Aviv, just won the total cup, and he's a uh, Maccabi Tel Aviv side so at the top of the table. And uh, Chris Uton just recently uh, let go by Ghana after finishing third in their Africa Cup of Nation group behind uh, Cape Verde. Shout out Pigo Lopez doing the League of Ireland proud over there. And in most salaries, <laughs> for the most part, Egypt finish ahead of them. So, uh, again, you know, Dan McSoyja, Chris or, Chris or Robbie, former Republic of Ireland Internationals. Chris Hewton is a, was a brilliant manager. Um, again, it, just because he had one job that he kind of faltered on there with Ghana, it doesn't mean that, you know, he's lost his powers. But I can't think of the job. What was the job he had before? before uh, he was at not in a forest as well. Yeah, so like it didn't set the world alight in the last couple of jobs. I say that's just going against him. Uh, listen, if Chris Hutton got the job, yeah. he he knows how to organise a team. He he's a good manager. You know, I, I wouldn't be totally disappointed, but I wouldn't be blown out of water either. Where about ten years ago, I would have been over the moon about Chris Hutton taking the job. So uh, that's where I am with Chris Robbie Keane. I think. I, I wouldn't be convinced. I think he's still inexperienced. Uh, you know, if he if he came to England or, or somewhere else in Europe in a higher league and, and started to do something in those, yeah, I think I'd be looking forward to that. He'd be a risk. You know, you could throw him in there. He'd be as much of a risk as Stephen Kenny is. Um, so I, I still, no. So probably no for the two of them. But Chris Hewton out of those three at the moment. And it was. And if, if fairness, like... Lee Carsey seems to be the, the, the number one target for the FEI and he, he falls into that similar category as well. I mean, he's done brilliant with the, the under-21s uh, of England winning the European Championship, but it changed so much, didn't it? Like by looking at it, so would have been last Thursday on the, the January 25th, he was expected to be named the Republic of Ireland manager on a four-year deal that would have left them up to the Euro 28, uh, 2028 campaign, which, which is very important now because that's going to be held in the in Ireland and the UK. So we obviously, we do want to be there on a yeah. report. It was going to be on a report with a 560,000 uh, 560, uh, euro per year. So in fairness, like when we talk about the FUI being skinned and look for the cheap option, that, that's not a bad way for it essentially a part-time role. But uh, and then the next day on Friday, the twenty sixth January, it's revealed that uh, Lee Kaiser rejects the job offer to remain with England's under twenty ones, as he's looking to be in contention for the England senior role, which is likely to come up after Euro twenty twenty four. And then the a lot of the the, the bookies move towards uh, Neil Lennon. Neil Lennon certainly emerged as the favourite as he was interviewed by the F- by FEI's director of football, uh, Mark Cannon, the chief executive of Jonathan Hill and Paddy Bonner in England. 
as part of their final round of interviews. That said that Lee Carsey was was involved in those final round of interviews as well. Um, at the time of recording today, as you just said, it's January the 30th. There was said to be an FBI board meeting today uh, involving both Jonathan Hill and Mark Cannon, but I don't think, just having a look before we came on here, Roy, nothing really, nothing's been mentioned, so we haven't seen a name coming out. Um, and it's now been reported that the FEI, uh, they're going to wait and that they're not willing to rush into a decision just yet, which well, is strange. Good, yeah. Well, it is, it's strange. We, you know, we have friendlies on the horizon, but I wouldn't be jumping in straight away just to cover your back with them. I, I think it's, if if they're looking at the man at, at Lee Carsley, there's nothing saying that he can't revisit that and go back into talks and negotiations. We've seen that in the past, didn't we? We've seen that with Martin O'Neill. And I remember, even, when I was younger back then, but... I remember even reading that Trapatoni took a little bit of convincing to come around. The, the, the negotiation took a while. So these things can be revisited. And I'd, I'd rather see them do that because you're looking at someone for me anyway in Martin O'Neill. Even take away from, from, from a lot of these baggage that's been talked about. And I don't really want to talk, don't think we need to be talking about that when we're talking about a manager, someone's personal life. But you're just looking at looking at your CV. You have two spells of Celtic. That Neil you Lennon now you're talking about. You said Neil Lennon about. I'm talking about now, yeah. Um, just looking at Lennon's CV, and he obviously had the most successful Celtic over the two spells, winning five SPL titles and uh, four Scottish Cups. But besides that, he, he was with Bolton. Uh, he was made a reason why he got relegated from the Championship in 2016. Um, had a spare with Hibs, he sort of got himself back together, won the SPL Championship at the end of the 2016-17 season. Had a short spell, I think most recently in Cyprus, only lasted seven months into a two-and-a-half-year Half year contract. In fairness, no one lasts too long in Cyprus, do they? I don't think so. I'm trying to think of any other Irish person that's those. Uh, Killian Sheridan, Jack. Probably the longest there. As man, he was managing the team out there. He's there for about a couple of years and did okay. But other than that, I think anyone else has gone over there. Like you're, you're, you're talking about Killian Sheridan or Jack, Jack Bourne or Mick McCarthy or whoever. They all seem to leave there fairly quickly for whatever reason. It's a different culture altogether. It definitely is, but um, yeah, it's just just going back to Neil Lenvoy again. It's someone that just and it's probably the team of the of the list we're talking about, or the names we just said. He falls under the category of just doesn't excite me whatsoever coming into that old row. And I'd rather see them hanging on and and not not being rushing to get somebody in for the upcoming uh, friendlies against Belgium and Switzerland in March, sticking out a little bit and waiting for the right right person to come into that role. Well, Neil Lennon, I'm not totally sure on Neil Lennon either. Listen, you can't deny he did well with Celtic. He did really well with Celtic. He did do well with Celtic, yeah. Yeah, so, but generally, you should do well with Celtic. No matter who you are, you should do well with Celtic. You're probably, when you look at a manager, when they leave Celtic, what do they do then after that? So, uh, Neil Lennon is the favourite and that's a little bit worrying as well, you know. Again, if Neil Lennon got the job, I'd be fully behind him and we see how he does because, to tell you the truth, you look at that list there, even Lee Carsley, there's nothing very exciting that's going on there. It's all it's all potluck with all of these. Um, a few different ones that, you know, are a little bit further down the list. Uh, someone like Solskjaer, Joachim Lowe, they're, they're, they're managers that are out there no job. Um, would any of them be of any interest? We can't really go with the likes of Antonio Conte because they're not going to be able to to pay someone uh, like him to 
to come in. But I mean, I, I always wanted Potter, Graham Potter, but I mean, it'd be, that'd be a financial thing. And I'm sure he probably wants to get back in, although he's leaving it a little long as well. And if you stay out too long, then you mightn't get back in. He'd be forgotten about fairly quickly. So it would be a good step back into football uh, for him, but mustn't have talked to him because I haven't heard anything about him whatsoever. No, they didn't. And another person you haven't talked to, Roy, was uh, Gus Poyer, who someone that expressed his interest, hasn't he, in the past, that he, he'd, be, he'd be keen anyway about looking at the Ireland job. But again, it's come out recently, he says he hasn't spoken about the FEI and, and has, has said that maybe I'm just not what they're looking for, which is actually a little bit sad. Someone go on and give Gus a little bit of a hug. Um, <laughs> but talking about others, yeah, and and you can see people writing in the comments, Jürgen Klopp and Jose Mourinho, but come on, let's, let's be realistic. <laughs> like, yeah. Um, but yeah, you mentioned someone like Solskjaer, and I don't I think we talked about this in the past, and, you know, not even out-of-the-box ideas, but people that are on, you know, like Bucky's list, and we're going down a little bit further. I always like the look of uh, Val Passelhuten, uh, yeah. potentially again someone that's available but now of a job a little bit I just I think to stick about him... him the other day I think you're bang on I've totally forgot about him I think he's a he's a great show yeah I think so and I think the only thing again it's someone that he's been out of a job now since, since late last year um, getting up so he's, he's a couple of months out of the game but he is coming off a Premier League wave so he's definitely going to have to drop down I think he was on a report like 6 million uh, last year with Southampton so Comparing that to the um, the, the 560,000 uh, that was being offered to Lee Carsley, you definitely have to bit of wiggle around there. But yeah, that's someone that would excite me uh, by looking at his, what he's doing with Southampton and the style of play that he likes to implement. And I think just, again, looking at the, the Ireland squad we have at the moment, I don't think it's as door poor as people are saying. I think there is no, I think definitely, there's something definitely, there. Yeah. And if Just you go down the route quality. of getting a couple of players in that, I suppose the way Big Jack did, he got a couple of English-based Irishmen who actually make a little bit of a change or, or, or listen, Irish people are all over the world now. So can we get a couple of people in that we did, we're off the radar, get them in and all of a sudden it bolsters the team? Um, yeah, I, I just on the Piat one, I doubt the Piat would take it now. I know they have a playoff, don't they? So they wouldn't be taking it anytime soon. So they have a playoff no. for, I think it's against Kazakhstan. And then if they beat Kazakhstan, they play Georgia or Luxembourg to qualify. It's quite possible they could qualify for the Euros and, and they're not, he's not going to jump into a, a job now. He'd be, be mad to do that in all fairness. So I don't see Gus Poyet doing it. Hassan Hootel is, is, yeah, I, I'd be going with that. I, I was thinking that we're talking about him the other day and... He did. He was good at Southampton. I thought he did really, really well. I know they got a couple of hammerings at times, <laughs> yeah. but he was in a club that were selling all their best players, and they had to keep regenerating. You know that team. International management is about man management, and you need to have someone who has a little bit of personality that can get on with the players, that can kind of inspire them a bit. Um, can Ole Gunnar Solskjaer do that? He probably does it through his niceties. He seems to be a nice fella. You seem like you'd 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 work from you'd you'd dig in from. Uh, but Hasselhutel looks like he looks like someone that you could get on with, but is very serious in the job. And again, yeah, he got six million or whatever it was from Southampton, but the Ireland job's a part time job, uh, if you want yeah. to call it that. You know, it's full time, but it's still you know it's not uh, every day in and out. You know, so. Uh, it could be something and isn't there's no one jumping at him at the moment so uh, it'd be worth a shot 
I haven't heard his name branded about though. That's the unfortunate thing. Yeah, it will be a bit of an outside the, the box show. And I was just having a little scroll through Twitter while they were talking, and I'm very real. Um, but and just just sort of seeing what what of that and going on. But no major updates in a minute. But the one article that caught me eye, and we haven't really talked about it, and it's it's probably something that's a given. But I'm just wondering how much do you think would affect someone's decision to come into the role? And it's that um, the FAI wants the, the, the next candidate or the next Ireland manager to be based in Ireland. We've sort of seen it in the past where Martin O'Neill and Trapattoni would have been flying in and out you know, for, for immediate appearances, press conferences and, and games and stuff like that. Would that have a massive effect on, you know, just, we'll just say about Pascal Houghton, who clearly has never lived in Ireland, has never, has, we don't know if he's visited Ireland, but he, well, Someone like that will have to shift his life to a new country where potential, if you do have a young family, have have um, you know a partner on the go as well. How much of a, of an impact would that make on on a decision like that? You're you're chopping down that list by ninety percent. So you're going to start looking at the people who are here. You're going to start looking at the Damien Duffs are going to start coming into mm. it. You know, someone like. John O'Shea might come back and, and, and live here. Although I think he, he's, he was over in England coaching over there. But you're kind of looking at people who are based here. People aren't going to move their family to come over and live in Ireland just for the job. They're just not going to do it. You know, and as much as you would hope that that would happen, you would expect that if you're a, clu- a club like Manchester United or Arsenal or Juventus or Madrid, you expect that for those jobs. For the England job, you expect it for the England job. It's a big, big job to have. Um, unfortunately, Ireland have fallen to the wayside and I don't think someone's going to just live here for the wages aren't going to be big enough. Uh, you know they're big wages obviously you know but I just don't see it I just don't see it. I don't I can't see you want someone who's going to get stuck in and with the League of Ireland with the youth football be, be a presence around someone who can guide Irish football not just the senior team but can gu- guide the whole sort of country along the way you know and uh, give us some sort of something to work on as in you know, the experience that that manager would have that they could share it throughout clubs, throughout the, the league and throughout academies around the country. And you're going to have to get one of the big lads to do that. And I just don't see that they would move over unless wages were significantly higher. Um, I don't think it's unfair to ask of that, but I just don't see them doing that. Yeah, like it just... It, it was that's what I just thought it was, it was an interesting little tidbit probably to where to, to finish up on this this part of but as you said it wouldn't be a major like obviously not the one doing it but it wouldn't be a sticking sticking point to say for a lot of fans wouldn't you see someone that, that's, that's active as you said very importantly from a League of Ireland fan base someone that's active has an, an interest at least in the League of Ireland like again we just talk about Ralph Hasselhill just, just as a as a as a name for this conversation, but you're not expecting to see him at a League of Ireland game every Friday. But if someone is going to come in and, and integrate themselves in the Ireland job and, and in Ireland as a whole, as a League of Ireland fan, I'd like to see just have some sort of interest in the league and to show some sort of promise of having another League of Ireland player coming into the into the League of Ireland faults uh, in the next couple of years. Whether that be someone that's playing in the league now or someone that has just left the league and, and is doing doing well abroad, um, because it's, it's been a couple of years now since we've seen. Anybody make real significant moves of taking a step from League of Ireland football into international football? Yeah. Um. So Hassan Hootel for us. That's what we're saying. He's a, he's a boy. 
He's a boy. boy. Okay. Uh, football magazine Copa 90 released their top derbies in world football. Nathan, how do we fit in here? How do we fit into this? Yeah, so this is a bit of an ongoing uh, service you have up on their social media platforms uh, at the minute. They're up to number 15. It's the last time I checked. Um, I think it was Olympia Noikos and Panikonikos, which... Olympia Noikos. Yeah. Olympia Noikos. I put no, the two of them together, no, didn't I? No, yeah, Olympia yeah, yeah. sorry. Olympia I, I put the two of the, two of the teams <laughs> together with a little, little, little merger of Greek football. That'll go down well over there, wouldn't it? Uh, but a little bit lower down the list and a little bit easier to pronounce, thankfully. Yeah, down at uh, just about we just just snuck in Ireland just snuck into the to the into the top fifty uh, according to Copa ninety. At number forty nine was Shamrock Rovers versus Bowles, the uh, the classic Dublin derby, if you will. Probably not the the OG Dublin derby, but the classic one at the minute. And I think that I could just probably be about the classic one. When you're talking to League of Ireland fans or probably more so people that have a passing interest in the League of Ireland. That would be the derby to talk about straight away, isn't it, in the league as a whole. So it got me thinking, what would, like if you're looking at League of Ireland derbies, and we try to stay away from Dublin, just for now, for both Dublin, the Dublin born and bred, is there any that you would look at across the league and think, you know, it's deserve a bit more love, or it's a little bit underrated, or just even generally, what derby do you see from outside of Dublin and think, is that be a tasty one now to watch? None of them. That's very harsh. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm, I'm busy. I, I've looked at, you look at the Dublin Derby, right? Between Rovers and Bowes. There's a bite about it. There's nearly a nastiness about it. There's, there's an atmosphere in the air between the fans. That's why it's in that top 50. You know, that's why it's there. there there's that kind of, you should be at this game. Um, I, I, don't get that with Cork and Cove. I don't get that with, you know, Dundalk and Drogheda. Oh, I think I, you're wrong there. I'll have I to disagree just, with you on that one. But they're never the the, the atmosphere I don't think is does be as good as as, as that the, that game. And that's why I, I just listen, I'm there's no doubt that the fans probably see the game in that regard, but it doesn't come across as passionate as it does by the players, I feel as it does with the Rovers and Bowes game. I think the players feed off the energy of the fans on this game and the managers. And I think there's a, there's a, there's like an old firm kind of nearly feeling off it. I, I don't get that off any of the others. So I, I would say none of them. On it, it's a, well, thankfully been a, a long-time League of Ireland fan. It, it's a small one, but, um, uh, and if, if I was to have a League of Ireland bucket list, I've actually never got to a level derby. And I have to say that we won, I'd love to go to uh, by all well, accounts. We'll, brilliant. Nathan, we're going to have to put this down to, to uh, trial and error. We'll have to get out there, get to the, to the derby, get up to Finn Harps or, or, or up to Derry and, and watch that game and uh, get a taste of the atmosphere there. It doesn't come across on the TV, I have to say. The atmosphere doesn't, um, but maybe we should pop up and have a look at that's going to say, I, I, the other ones I have on the list, um, I've got to uh, Midlands Derby and enjoyed it. Definitely not not, not a boy to it. Comp- like, that would be Longford Town versus Athlone Town. Mm. It was very enjoyable day and you can tell there was a little bit of hostility between the, the fan bases. But uh, yeah, probably didn't have a boy compared to some of the other ones I've been to in, in the country. Um, it was at uh, um, the northwest would have been Derry Finn Harps. That definitely surprised me. That, that really, really did surprise me. The, the, um, 
great crack on the day. But again, it's um, I thought because I know they are they're close together, but they're not like a county derby or a city derby. There's a little bit of distance between the two yeah, of them, so yeah. uh, so that that definitely did. But uh, yeah, the loud one, I'd love to see. Uh, that's to have down for you, yeah. So your derby as a as a Luke and United man, is there anyone that you look at and think love to beat these bastards? Is there anyone? Yeah. Is there anyone that you look for in the draw and think, oh, that's going to be tasty? No, well, it's it's tough. We used to have the, for Lucan itself. Lucan and Hillcrest used to be in the same town, and that was that was hate. That was pure hate. Hillcrest have since deceased since Lucan kind of took over the the, the area. But uh, that was kind of you were up for that game no matter what you stand all over your granny to get a player in that game you know so uh, but now I mean you look at Luke and United playing in, in any games now it's no I don't think there's too many rivalries there I mean you have the Lee Slips Lee Slip and Luke and always kind of had something there but if you were going to go if Luke and had a no not really not really you need to have a history and mm with Luke and now at the moment they're in the top division in the Leinster Senior League the history between them and the other teams is only kind of beginning so there's nothing really there at the moment and if, say just say Luke and or Crumlin or something went into the League of Ireland they're only starting their path and they wouldn't have that kind of you know you have to have history behind it. There has to be stories behind it. There has to be moments for fans or moments in games or whatever. They they kind of are the foundation, the building blocks to these things. I'm telling you now, you go to, and as we say about the Finn Harps game or the, the Rovers and, and Bowes games, things have happened outside stadiums, inside stadiums, on the pitch, between managers. And they're all little blocks that are just building up nicely and uh, that's where they are now, you know, so you, you can kind of feel that. So, uh, yes, there was when we were younger, but uh, not anymore, really. It's kind of stepping stones to try and go in the right direction. So, yeah, kind of missing out on that one. Yeah, and uh, we'll just quickly just, just finish up. So, I feel just want to ask you a few more. So, we'll talk, even if what I've shared out at the end, your favourite dad in the world or in England. Do you think... Because I look now at some of the, if you want to call them derby games over in England, just take United Liverpool for example. Yeah. Do you think do you think they're losing a bit of bite because of, let's be honest, Anfield, Old Trafford, the Emirates? They're becoming they're pretty glorified tourist destinations now, aren't they? Just don't get me wrong. There's definitely local fans still going to these matches, but there is a, there is a good majority of non-locals or people traveling in all over the world for these games. And I'm not going to, I don't think that's ever going to happen in the League of Ireland. We're never going to see vast amount of people travelling in worldwide. Do you think some of those games over in England and across Europe are losing a little bit of boy? Because, you know, you, you look at, we'll just say, Boca Juniors and River, River Platte. That's that's always very hostile. I, I was at my first ever... Sorry, oh, um, I'm going to have to stop you there. River what? River, what are you, what are you calling it? <laughs> River what are you calling it? I thought it was Platte. I thought it was little fun, little, little, little number two. These little yeah, things. This, yeah, yeah. this is why I follow League of Ireland. This all why easy the League to of Ireland say. Show. 100%. <laughs> you don't see me in the fucking Argentina podcast, do you? But uh, I was over. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I remember Butch went along for that something. It's time to, to put the mic down. 
but it was over um back in April at my first ever um I'm not gonna say all frame derby because I got dead for that last time I said it. Glasgow <laughs> derby between Celtic and Rangers, and you could feel that 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 was unbelievable because of just religious connotation, political connotation, it just goes completely beyond football. So I don't think you're ever gonna see that. So do you think derbies are changing over in the Premier League because of its it's so you're, you're losing a little bit of edge because there's non-locals floating the ground from saying. all over the world. I, I, not the big ones. Manchester United, Liverpool, no. They, 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 there's too many people worldwide know the history behind the Manchester United and Liverpool one. Um, maybe, I don't know, Everton and, and Liverpool, it's a city thing, so you know. I'm sure that's heavy there within the city. Outside of it, then people don't kind of really maybe acknowledge it as much. You know, they know it's a derby, but uh, in the city, I'd say it's it's huge. Uh, like Manchester United, and Manchester City. It's 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 not as big a derby as Manchester United and Liverpool. You know, it just no, it's isn't. It's not. Um, Liverpool or Rangers and Celtic. Um, it's kind of that's been damaged a little bit but it's still fierce you know but it's been damaged a little bit just because Scottish football kind of got a bit boring and you know the quality of football isn't as good as it used to be and, and what no away you. fans in either ground too which I, I was I was at it in Celtic Park and don't get yeah. me wrong you could definitely feel the, the tension in the air but yeah there was all Celtic fans in it so there was, there was none of that and I'm not saying I wanted to get the head punch off me leaving the ground but there was none of that you know coming up to the stadium or, or leaving the ground it, it was no. very much um, so all for one the, one for all I do I know what you're saying and I can see that in, in certain ones stadium, you know, I say probably there was London derbies that were a bit more fierce and it's probably not as much now but the big ones I think are still intact um, but you know maybe next year the Sligo Mayo Derby maybe something like that can pop up and and start giving us some exciting moments and uh, controversial moments in the League of Ireland um, okay we're going to leave it there Nathan uh, I'm interested to see if uh, the Loud Derby makes it into the top 15 of the Copa 90 let us know next week alright and oh, no. uh, <laughs> everyone else listening there tonight uh, thanks very much we will be back next week uh, we're not far away not far away from the big kickoff from the League of Ireland bye now